Good morning. Let's pray together. Come among us, O God, to give us ears that do not fail to hear, to give us eyes that do not fail to see, to give us hearts that do not fail to respond. Make us your good soil this day, which receives the seed of your truth. Water us with the bounty of your love. Fertilize us with the challenge of discipleship. Grow us into the people of God that you have called us to be. And when the time comes, harvest us unto yourself. Fill us with your spirit, O God. Let us shed our selfish desires our busy lives, and our personal agendas that we may truly hear your voice calling our name and that we may respond by giving our lives to you. Amen. I'm going to sing a solo, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> 
Please join me in our responsive reading for today titled Wholeness. Spirit of God, you are the source of renewal, rebirth, and recreation. You do not shy away from horrific valleys, stormy mountains, or dry plains, but move in where others fear to tread. You instill us with breath apart from which there can be no life. Amen. Big guy right here. Come on down to the big guy. My wife says I'm entirely too big. I disagree, but what do I know? I'm just a guy. Oh, you really look good. They really do look good today. Do you all know what an attitude is? Because the preacher is going to talk about attitude. Okay, Jerry, the younger, what's an attitude? Jerry, the younger, says an attitude is when you slam the door when you get very, very mad. That is an attitude. Okay, what's an attitude? When you give somebody a hug. That's an attitude. That's right. That's right. It's how you feel about somebody. It's how you feel about somebody. You love your mother. I love my wife. That is an attitude. We're exhibiting an attitude. 
And when we're mad, like Jerry the Younger says, we're exhibiting an attitude towards somebody that we're mad. And a preacher's going to talk about attitudes. Do you all have a piggy bank? Okay. You have three piggy banks. You got two? Ten. Wow. Okay. You're going to be a successful young businessman one day. Uh, the, the head of the biggest piggy bank in America, the biggest piggy bank is called the Federal Reserve Bank. And the head of the biggest piggy bank said that we got an attitude that's much worse than we ought to have about the future. He said that this week. And you know why we got a bad attitude? I'm going to tell you because that's the second thing the pastor's going to talk about. Or he may or may not. I don't know. He didn't share his sermon with me, but I read the scripture that he's going to come to. What's this? It's an apple. I like apples. Now, here's an apple here that I cut. How many seeds are in this apple? How would we know? We'd, we'd cut into it, and I did this morning. How many seeds are here? Three. Three. We got three seeds in this apple, okay? And we cut into it, and we could find out. Now I'm going to ask you a harder question. We know how many seeds are in this apple. How many apples are in this seed? Uh uh-uh. uh. More than one. The only person that knows the answer to that story is God. We can tell how many seeds are in an apple, but only God can tell how many apples are in a seed. He knows when we plant this, it'll grow up into an apple tree and it will bear a lot of apples. And we sometimes forget when we think about the future. God knows the future because he's planned it. And if we listen to him and we look at the future that he plans us, it will be the best that we know. It will be the best thing for us. Now, it will be a lousy future if we don't listen to God. But if we listen to God and follow him, he loves us so very much, he'll try and do everything he can to make sure our future will be the brightest and best that it could be. So next time you bite into an apple and you see the seed, know that we know how many seeds are in an apple, but only God knows how many apples are in a seed. And he wants the very best for us. So we're supposed to be positive about the future. Thank you all very much and go on. We're done. We're done.
Matthew 13, 1 through 9, and 18 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But then the, ro- the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other s- seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but cares for the world and the lure of wealth choked the word. And it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I lost my mind. (laughs) Pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, let us take these words of wisdom, bring them over our mind, speak them with over our mouth through this week, and also keep these words in our heart. Please spread these words. We say this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let us pray. Our most wonderful and gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning as blessed people. Oh Lord, we're so thankful for all the many blessings this church building, this church people, our community that we live in, and music. Thank you, Lord. Lord, help us to learn to give what you have given to us back to you for the betterment of your kingdom as we give of our lives and your tithes and our offerings this morning. Amen.
And all God's people said, Amen. And that's my prayer today, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable to God. You know, it's been said that um, happiness in life depends upon about 1% of what happens to you and about 99% of how you react to what happens to you. In other words, life is a matter of attitude. All the great motivational speakers will tell us that that is true. In order to succeed in life, attitude is critical. But, of course, not everyone has a great attitude, do they? In fact, some people have a downright rotten attitude. I saw uh, something recently that reflects this rotten attitude. It's called the Cynic's Guide to Life. It's a takeoff on some of, the, some of life's most familiar cliches. See if you recognize any of these. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a broken fan belt or a leaky tire. I believe for every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows and a foundation leaks and a ball game gets rained out and the car rusts and you get the picture. Follow your dream, unless it's the one where you're at work in your underwear during a fire drill. (laughs) Do not walk behind me, for I may not lead. Do not walk ahead of me, for I may not follow. Do not walk beside me either. Just leave me alone. (laughs) And finally, this land is your land. This land is my land. So stay on your land. You see, not everybody has a great attitude, do they? But a a great attitude is important to all of life. In fact, our attitude can determine whether we respond to the gospel or not. In our scripture for today, Jesus is teaching by the Sea of Galilee, and such a large, large crowd of people have gathered around him that he gets into a boat and sits in the boat to teach while all the people are standing on the shore. He begins by telling a parable. He said, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering his, as he was scattering his seed, some fell along the path, and birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still others fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Then Jesus says, whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus explains this simple parable later in the chapter. And he says that the soil is anyone who hears the message of God's kingdom. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. You and I are the soil in this parable. I could have said that we are dirt, but that sounds a little negative, and Jesus is trying to make a positive statement here. We are soil. We are the soil. Potentially rich, productive soil. And, of course, on one level, we are soil. The writer of Genesis tells us that we were created out of the dust of the earth. Genesis 2, verse 7 says, 
Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath or the spirit of life. And the man became a living being. So Jesus begins his explanation by saying that the soil in this parable is anyone who hears the message of God's kingdom. The seed sown along the path, he says, is anyone who hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. Now, why don't these people understand the message of God's kingdom? Well, one reason may be that they have been conditioned by society, by culture, to think in a very small box. Mahatma Gandhi led the nation of India through the process of gaining independence from Great Britain. And Gandhi believed that one of the biggest challenges to the independence movement was not the British people at all, but the mindset of the Indian people. He recognized that most Indians had such a low opinion of themselves that many believed that they deserved to be ruled by the British. And the British recognized how they felt, and they used their attitude against them. Really, the the British presence in India was not all that large at all. It it amounted amounted to a a few governors scattered around and a few small pockets of, of military forces. As a matter of fact, when Gandhi described Britain's power over his people, he said that never were so many ruled by so few. And so he set out to show the Indian people a different way of thinking about themselves. A way that spoke into their souls and and called them to greatness. And the outcome was India's successful move to national independence in 1948. In the same way, we have people in our own culture who may not respond to the gospel of Christ because they've been conditioned against it. They may sit in a church pew week after week, but they have been been so beaten down by their upbringing that they cannot even hear the message of God's grace. They don't believe that they are good enough for God to love. Oh, they they want to believe it, but their, their low attitude of themselves makes it nearly impossible. And so every time a, a little seed of hope is planted in their hearts, the evil one comes along and snatches it away from them with lies about their self-worth. That, says Jesus, is the seed sown by the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word of God and at once receives it with great joy, but, but since they have no root, it only lasts for a short while. In Palestine, much of the land is a thin two or three inch veneer of soil covering a lamp, a limestone bedrock. And so seed sometimes falls into this thin layer of soil and, and it war- the, the sun warms it up and, and quickly it sprouts with a feverish growth. But then the sun beats down and the, the plant's roots hit the bedrock and has no place to grow and so it withers and dies. It dies because the soil's too rocky. Now, who does the rocky ground refer to? Well, how about the complacent church member with one foot inside the church and one, one foot out? 
more concerned with respectability than they are with true discipleship. This is the half-hearted saint who never makes a full commitment to Christ and his kingdom. Evangelist Donald Gray Barnhouse told a story for years about a man who bought a bottle of expensive perfume from Paris and brought it home to his wife. It was, it was very expensive perfume, and it, had a, it was in a beautiful bottle, and his wife was so proud of it and used the perfume until it was all gone. But even then, she kept the bottle on her dresser so her friends could see it and say, Oh, what a, what a wonderful perfume. Well, there came a time when the woman wanted to wear the perfume, but the bottle was empty. So she put a handkerchief into the bottle and closed it up. And after a day or so, there was enough perfume on the handkerchief to give it a, a faint scent. But after that, it was gone. But there was still enough odor around the bottle that someone could say, Oh, what a wonderful perfume. Barnhouse would tell that story and then say that there are many people in our churches who are like that. If you come near and listen to their conversation, you may be able to say, Oh, grandfather was a Christian or mom was a Christian. And the fragrance of their commitment still lingered in their lives. But as far as they themselves are concerned, the bottle, bottle is empty and they have no fragrance of Christ of their own. In other words, they take on the appearance of piety and they attend church and look like good Christian folks. But when you scratch beneath the surface, you find that there's really nothing there. Barnhouse says that he once told that story and afterwards he was walking down the street to his hotel room and he nearly overtook three people who were walking in front of him and had apparently been at the service that day. One of them was saying, I, I like the story that, about the perfume because it reminded me of a very expensive perfume that Frank bought me at, from Paris. It was a beautiful bottle, but I've never even broken the seal. It sits right there on my dresser and has never been used. And so Barnhouse broke into their conversation and they recognized him and laughed that he, he should have overheard them. But he said, don't you see that that perfume was given to you to be used? And what an illustration that is. Barnhouse went on to say that so many Christians who have been given so much keep it tightly sealed in. And no one passing near would, would know for a moment that they, they have the life of God in them. But the wonderful thing about God's perfume is that the more we share it with others, the more God keeps filling our bottle. The seed falling on rocky ground, says the master, refers to someone who hears the word of God and at once receives it with joy. But, but since they have no root, it lasts only a short while. These are the shallow, complacent church people who still getting by on their grandfather's faith or their mother's faith. And they have no root of their own and the bottle is empty. There's a third group who is exposed to the gospel message. The seed falling on, among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, this group's easy to identify. They're already checking their watches to see when the service is going to be over. <laughs> 
They want to get on to the real interests, their real interests and concerns in life. They've got to get to the restaurant before the other churches get out, which is a goal that I have. But it's not my ultimate goal. Company's coming. Got to make sure the house is just so. The market's been bouncing around a lot this year, so I've got to go check my investments. The football game or the baseball game or the basketball game's on. Got to make sure that my team brings in the win. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word of God's kingdom, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke that word and makes it unfruitful. These are not bad people. They just never really focus on, on God and what God expects from them. God basically takes second place to the other matters of life, but in God's eyes, that doesn't hack it. God must be first. Dr. Greg Herrick tells about a writer who married his secretary, and the writer was a stern and difficult man, but but Herrick says that the man dearly loved his wife, But he was so thoughtless and absorbed in his own activities that he treated his wife as if she were still his employee. Well, the time came when she was stricken down with cancer and confined to her bed for a long time before she died. And after her funeral, the writer went back to his empty house. He was grieving deeply at the loss of his wife, and he wandered around the house thinking about the woman that He had loved so dearly. And then after a while, he went upstairs to a room and sat beside the bed on which she had been been lying for months. And he realized with painful regret that he had not been there as often as he needed to be during her illness. And then he noticed her diary. And while she was alive, he would, would have never read it. But now that she was gone, he felt free to pick it up. And one entry caught his eye. It said, Yesterday, he spent an hour with me. It was like being in heaven. I love him so much. He turned a few more pages and read, I listened all day to hear his steps in the hallway, but now it's late. I guess he won't come to see me today. He read a few more entries like that, and then he threw the book to the floor, and he ran out of the house into the rain, back to the cemetery. He fell down on his wife's grave in the mud. He was sobbing and saying, if only I had known, if only I had known. And then Dr. Herrick says, I wonder how many of us will stand before the Father someday saying, if only I had known how much you love me. Well, in contrast to the wife who apparently said little or nothing about her love, God has made it abundantly clear how God feels about a relationship with us. For God so loved the world that God gave up His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's how much God loves us. But we're too busy. 
We are too concerned about all of the other, other things of life that are important to us. And God gets relegated to second or third or fourth or fifth place. And we are like the seed that fell among the thorns. But there's a final group of people in Jesus' parable. The seed falling on good good soil refers to someone who hears the word of God's kingdom and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. That's that's the wonderful thing about seed that's sown on on good soil. It can lead to a harvest that's, that's beyond all imagination. Great thing. For the sake of God. And the little that we can do can be expanded so much more. And you would be amazed at what you can do for the sake of Christ. French author Jean Jono tells a story of a young man who was on a long hiking trip through Provence, France, and into the Alps in the year 1913. The young man ran out of water in in a a treeless, desolate valley where only wild lavender grows, and there was no trace of civilization there except for old, empty, abandoned buildings. Well, he encountered a a shepherd there who showed him a, a spring where he could get some water. He stayed with the shepherd for a while, and he was curious as to why the shepherd had had chosen such a desolate life. And so the shepherd told him that, that after being widowed, he decided to restore the ruined landscape of that valley single handedly by cultivating a forest, one tree at a time. It seems that that he made thousands of holes in the ground with his shepherd's staff and dropped in those holes an acorn that he had collected. Well, the young man left the shepherd and went back home, and later he, he fought in World War I. And then in 1920, he was shell-shocked and depressed, and so he decided to return to that valley and to, to take another hike as he had done seven years before. And he was surprised to see young saplings all taking root there and And new streams were running through it where the shepherd had made dams higher up in the mountains. The young soldier made a full recovery in this place of peace and beauty and continued to visit the shepherd. Over four decades, this shepherd continued to plant trees and and the valley was returned to a kind of Garden of Eden. Jono writes, On the site of the ruins I had seen in 1913 now stand firm or neat farms. The old streams fed by the rains and snows that the forest conserves are flowing again. Little by little, the villages have been rebuilt. People from the plains where the land is costly have have begun to settle here, bringing youth and motion and the spirit of adventure. Good seed sown on good soil brought forth a bountiful harvest due to the dedication of one man. And that's what each of us can do as well. If we allow the seed of God to take root 
in our hearts. It can change us completely. It can allow us to buy into the spirit of God's kingdom. It can change the things that we do, the things that we say. It can give us the burden for others who don't know the joy of God's kingdom. And it can allow us to be fruitful as we do the work of God's kingdom and as we share the word of God with others. Four kinds of soil, says Jesus. Four kinds of people. Those who have been culturally conditioned to resist the message of God's grace. Those who have heard the message but have never given themselves completely to it. Those who have heard it but have too many other concerns to focus on. And not God. And finally, those who hear the word of God's kingdom, apply it to their lives where it takes root and blossoms into the fruitful disciples of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Which kind are you? Which soil are you today? Do you need an attitude adjustment? Amen. We're going to sing today number 541, Heal Me, Hands of Jesus. And that is the prayer of our hearts as we, as we go into this invitation that Christ would heal our hearts and heal our lives. Because probably all of us can find us in, in several of those soils that Jesus mentioned. But God can take us and turn us into fruitful Christians. And he will do that if we make ourselves available to Christ. If you've never made a commitment to Christ, I hope you'll do that today. I hope you'll accept Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. I hope you will put him first in your life. Because that's where he belongs. And I hope you will make your heart a place where His Word can take root. Don't resist. Don't be like the rocky soil. Open yourselves up and allow God's Spirit to move in your heart so that God can make you into the person you want He wants you to be. If you're looking for a church home to be a part of, we invite you to come. If you need to pray, we invite you to come. As we sing together, heal me, hands of Jesus.
Just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention this morning. Um, uh, let me remind everyone, we are beginning a capital campaign uh, here at Community Baptist. Our, your finance team is in process of uh, refinancing our loan, and we want to make a concerted effort in the next two months to raise as much money as we can to put on the principal of that loan so we won't have to refinance that amount. So we are beginning a uh, capital campaign, and we would appreciate any, any contribution that you can make towards that cause because in the long run, uh, that will be something that will benefit our church tremendously. Also, our Upward is up and running and, and doing very well. We had practices th- this week, and next Sunday we're, we're going to be having our Upward Dedication Sunday. We're going to be inviting all the families of Upward to come to our church and, uh, and be praying about the children and their families um, uh, as we begin this season and as we look forward to this Upward Dedication Sunday next week. Our Women's Mission Group will be meeting at Christine's house, right? at Christine's house tomorrow at 6.30, and um, we invite you to, to be a part of that t- tomorrow evening. Uh, it's a great time of, where the women get together and uh, uh, pray and plan and share um, food together and fellowship together, so I hope you'll do that. And uh, you, you'll also notice in your worship folder there are a number of meetings uh, this week, including today, the meeting uh, for outreach and, and church council. So. Uh, please find your place and be at your place this, this week. Let us bow for our benediction. As we go from here, I pray that God will make us all worthy of his call on our lives. We'll, feel, we'll fulfill by God's power every good work of faith so that we may always be faithful. And that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God. Amen.